You cannot continue to oppress, beat down, marginalize, redline, and kill a people and think we ain't gonna stand up and eventually fight back. I'm CJ Cordovan, a writer and speaker from Brooklyn, New York. I started the organization Labor Forward to teach the parts of Black history that are often left untold. I went to Minneapolis in June of 2020. It was on this trip, I met a man who had been fighting against police brutality for over 60 years. Over the next few episodes, you're going to get to know Spike and his story. This is Minneapolis Burning. Welcome back to kicking in with the homie. It's your boy, CJ, here with the man who is straight out of Brownsville with a dashiki and a do-rag, Avery Dubois. And on the other side, we got the newest pledge of Gamma Phi Gamma G Phi G. Eugene. You know. (laughs) Yo, what up, fellas? Why about the dude with a dashiki and a what? Oh. A dashiki and a do rag because you got a little whole tap in you, a little bit of whole tap, but you got like you got you got a little bit of whole tap, but you got to keep the the waves fresh. <laughs> I see you, my brother. The black man is God. You go ahead, King. Surprised I don't have a kente cloth do rag on. I'm surprised too. This is your month. <laughs> this is where Avery shines. <laughs> Y'all know what time it is. It is Black History Month. <laughs> what you just heard in the cold open was the trailer for the Labor Forward podcast, season one, entitled Minneapolis Burning. It is a bit of, I guess you can call it investigative journalism by myself, into the life of a man named Spike Moss, who was a civil rights activist, not was, is a civil rights activist in Minneapolis for the last 60 years. Obviously, the title of this episode is Black History, and it's Black History Month, and we thought it would be appropriate to not only share that with you all, because I want you to subscribe to it and listen to that four-part series, but also because we're talking about Black History today. I actually, right before recording this, I just finished giving a talk on Black History to a high school in New Jersey, which was really dope, and the, the kind of focus of the talk was Black leadership. Uh, and Black inventors throughout history. And it was wild to me how many, it's not wild to me, you know, like 90% of the people I I named, most people didn't know because what we learn is so paltry. That's the second time I've heard that today. Really? (laughs) That was the second time. I forgot where I heard it the first. I think the friend zone, I think they said that about something that was just bland. Yeah, well, I'm studying for the GRE, so I get a word a day. I get that little email, and I be trying to incorporate them into my vocabulary. Why are you studying for the GRE? Because I am going to get a, there you go, a PhD in sociology. You just love school. Um, You love love school and debt. He loves learning. There you go. I love learning, (laughs) 
And this PhD will be fully funded, my brother, because I am oh. not taking on any more debts. Okay. Okay, scholarships. I see you. I'm saying you you know, I got I got half a brain out here. Look. And somebody's willing to pay for half of that brain. <laughs> if I can, if you see, so uh, you guys know my sister, uh beautiful black woman that she is, has a PhD in education. And I am trying to get her on the podcast to be on the uh, to be one of the next kickback guests so we can talk about education and all those things. But I can't get her to stay up past seven o'clock. So hopefully calling her mm. out in this episode will get her to stay up next week and we can record. You hear that, Sharice? She, she ain't going to she ain't going to make it. Nah, she she got it. We're we going to make this work. She's going to be on it halfway through the kickback. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Avery, you went to trash schools, so I'm curious. What did you? Learn? <laughs> I did I said, not yeah. go to trash school. Thank you. You went. You went to literally one of the ten worst high schools in New York City. Okay, the high school, fine. But would you go? Would you go to junior high? Uh, North Star Academy. Trash. Because you never heard of it. It was a good school. Exactly. Thank you. Nah, it was one of those schools for. Uh, for, for kids like you. I'm going to just leave it there. <laughs> You're wrong. You're wrong for that. I'm going to leave that alone. You you saw me like in real time saying, nah, there's no good way to word this, but I can't back out because I'm already committed to it. Oh, man. I, I, hope we, I hope we don't get put on two-week suspension. <laughs> oh, Listen, I think you have a race problem and I want you to talk about it. <laughs> With, wait, I, I feel like that was half joking and we're not going there. <laughs> For the sake of your life, we will not go there tonight. Uh, but what was the question? He was asking me about Black history in my school. Yeah, sure. Like, what did you learn growing up? Um, the basics, slavery, <laughs> reconstruction, Jim Crow era, um, civil rights, and yeah, that was pretty much it. That was that was our Black history. Um, you know, the forever mentions Harriet Tubman, Martin Luther King, Sojourner Truth, Booker T, W.E.B. Like you know the the main cast. Like you you always get the main cast every year. Every. Black History Month. So it's just like, yeah, it was pretty redundant after a while. Yo, I'm gonna keep it a bean with you. You got a lot more than than most people. So maybe your schools weren't that trash. Because I know a lot of people who didn't know about Sojourner Truth. The whole reason I started Labor Forward was a conversation in which I mentioned Harriet Tubman, and this guy was like, I've never heard of her. Who's that? So what? Wait, wait, what? Never heard of Harriet Tubman? Kid. So I'm all right, so let me let me paint the picture. Nah, 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 nah. She's on the Mount, she's on the Mount Rushmore of Black History Month. Let me paint the picture for you. I'm in Grand Forks, North Dakota, February, oh. negative 10 degrees. I just finished giving a talk on racial justice, talking to students afterwards, and I go, something, 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 Harriet Tubman, something, something. And the kid stopped me, stops me, and he goes, Who? I was like, Harriet Tubman. He's like, nah, nah, I'm sorry. I don't know who that is. And I'm like, fan, if you don't know Harriet Tubman, we got a long way to go. Because 
Harriet's Black History 101. That's the one name you hear all the time. Yeah. Harriet Tubman, Frederick Douglass, and Martin Luther King. See, again, I think you got Fred because you're from D.C., but I know a lot of people who didn't learn about Frederick Douglass until they were adults. Yeah, I went on a field trip to his house. Yeah, see, so, you know, being in D.C., that makes sense. Malcolm X was always painted as the antagonist to MLK. He was, he yeah. was evil. He was the <laughs> bad guy. I mean, now, I, he's he's painted that way in, in the X-Men, you know, the inspiration. Like, Xavier is um, Martin Luther King and Magneto is I'm a, Malcolm X. Yo, yo, say that for Blurred Lines, B. <laughs> <laughs> You did you did go full blurred right there? I did, I did. My man said an opportunity. <laughs> Yo, what's wild is I got a so you're from DC, Chocolate City. We're from New York, and I think we take for granted being from where we're from how much we got. Because mm, I got yeah. a homegirl from Connecticut, and she said that Black History Month wasn't even acknowledged in her schools. What? Oh, like that's My- wild now. My elementary and middle school, it really wasn't acknowledged like that because it was white. Um, I went to a Lutheran elementary and middle school. And so I got the the regulars, the Mount Rushmore, um, Harriet Tubman and Martin Luther King. In fifth grade, I remember we had to do a project where we were like we had to dress up as someone from. Black History for Black History Month, and I did Thurgood Marshall, um, but also from the DC area. Like we talked about him. I was gonna say because I didn't learn about Thurgood Marshall until yeah. much later. And what what's so fascinating to me is so Eugene and I went to college together down in North Carolina. I didn't meet my first white person on a peer level until we got to college. So I I had only been educated around black people i had white teachers but like all of my peers were black or brown and when i think about like in junior so i went to uh, elementary school in bed-stuy which if y'all know bed-stuy is blackity black and even then like the most i from what i remember is like we got george washington carver that's the guy we heard about every single year he was like the special (laughs) edition and then i want to say around I don't think we even did anything really in junior high outside of, you know, oh, Rosa Parks, a little old lady who wouldn't get up and Martin Luther King. And in high school, forget it. I remember nothing. And of course, in college, I spent all my time when I did like have conversations about black things, arguing with white people about things they don't know about. Yeah, we went, we hung around a different set of white people because I had none of those arguments. <laughs> so it was in my, it was you. I remember very specifically, and Deanna, shout out to Mini-Me, we were in Econ together, a little bit, tiny but mighty. We were (laughs) in Econ together, and I think we were the only two Black kids in there, and I don't know how it happened, but like we had a lot of rich white kids who went to our school, and somehow the conversation started with, you know, those poor people just need to pull themselves up by their bootstraps, and you know, of course, that's a euphemism for Black people. And, you know, they just don't work hard enough and they're not trying. And so me and Deanna had to be like, I I guess we got to educate y'all. But like that, yeah. yeah, that was just trash. Yo, were you in the kitchen that time? Uh, Pat said nigga and I, and I was about to hit him. Yes, I was. I was there. 
I was there for that. So I was I was ready to go too for anybody that that wanted to jump in because it was just it was just not okay. So Pat is uh he was a stoner white boy from Pennsylvania, and we all we all worked in this bar together. And one day he says to Rob, who was also from the DC area, he's like, "Yo, yeah. Rob, pass pass me the mustard." And Rob's like, "Oh yeah, here you go." And he goes, "Thanks, nigga." And I was like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa." <laughs> <laughs> now rob is a big dude rob is rob, like six five 300 pounds he played football he played football <laughs> and i was it was to, and was a lineman i was about to run at pat and you know big old rob just grabbed me he was like nah nah chill 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 he's cool i said like, what you mean he's cool this white boy just called you a nigga he's like nah 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 he's cool <laughs> and so then like and that, you know that incident was actually like my first real conversation with a white person who genuinely was not like malicious like if you know pat like pat was actually a really sweet guy he was like well why can you say it but i can't like he was just truly uneducated yeah but i was like yo somebody gotta die (laughs) yeah i was i was ready to i was ready to go with you because i mean i i got both sides like i understood both sides but me i grew up around white people like my elementary and middle school was predominantly white my class was black but the school was predominantly white then i got to high school they segregated y'all they didn't segregate us it's they, just they put how... all the black kids in the same class no because it was one class for each grade and your it's class just happened to be the black class it was it was a it was a private school it was a lutheran school so it's one class for each grade it was it's not like public school but you have Miss Jones nah, is sixth I think grade. That was strategically I, hit, said, I hear bro. you. I hear That's you, just how did that one class be the black class? Nah, that was strategic. Everybody who made a baby in '86 and wanted <laughs> to put their kids in, and the kids were born in '87, they wanted to put their kids at this school. In most of my class, it's either black. one or two things. Either one or two. Th- either one. All the black folks got together. It's like, yo. Let's put our kids in this school. Boom. That that kind of did happen. One black a black family found out about the school, and so they just kept telling their black friends, and we all just ended up at the school. (laughs) (laughs) But for that one class, it's just we all grew up. We all ended up going through the school together, literally from kindergarten to eighth grade. Yo, that's wild. And then you went to the blackest high school in DC. It was nothing but black people. And Hispanic people in my high school. Oh, that was my high school too. We were literally half black, half Dominican. Yeah, well, that's a very specific Hispanic. We had yeah. all of we had all of the Hispanics. But so this was I mean, before you were New York got Mexicans. Yeah, this there was one Mexican girl in my in my high school, Vanessa. And when we found out she was Mexican, we were like, "What? Y'all made it this far north?" <laughs> Like, we just had mad questions for her because we only ever knew Dominicans and there was like a handful of Puerto Ricans and you got this one Mexican who just showed up wow. out of nowhere. Wow. And now Mexicans are everywhere in New York. Yeah. yeah. Mexicans, Ecuadorians, everybody. Yeah, we, had, we had all of those. I had all of those like down the street. But when I got to high school, my high school, because it was so black, like they made a big deal with Black History Month. And so... Mm-hmm. We had like assemblies about Black History Month. Like it was a Catholic high school, so like our liturgies were based around Black History Month, and like they made a big deal. We had an African American studies class, and we went to go look at all the monuments and stuff that were shaped from monuments and buildings in Egypt. 
But like that was stuff I didn't know about, but the whole class was based on that. So you you really got a first class education out here in Black history. Something like that. Shout, shout out to Miss Weber. I went to a high school named after a civil rights leader, and they never taught us about who he was. Wow. Like I had to go dig that up on my own, which is that's that's wild. Hey, what school you went to? Uh, a. Philip Randolph uh, in Harlem. Gotcha. Yeah, I honestly think like experience like white people and talk went to like seminary. Honestly, and that's crazy because like go from elementary school, middle school, high school, and then even college, like, didn't really encounter them in my space. So it's just, like, not until seminary, it's just, like, all right, white people. And it's just, like, didn't, like, really, like, pay attention to the jokes that were made until, like, afterwards. And then it was just, like, oh, like, nah, those those jokes weren't cool, you know, but. Is that why you hate white people now? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, we just we just lost three listeners. <laughs> down to, we have down to, to four. We have to be honest and open on this podcast, David. You, I do not white, hate white people. <laughs> if you have hate in your heart, let it out. Oh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's like it was well, not fine. Hate is never it's not fine. Cool, it's not okay. But you, need, but you can't overcome it if you don't admit it. Dr. King's speech was about unity. I don't know that that's just what they be saying whenever they. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but so did y'all? Did y'all like have like any in-home like teachings or? Yeah, my mother. My mother went to. I grew up in the D.C. area. Both of my parents were born in D.C. My mother went to Howard. Which is your mother wears dashikis. Wearing them we since, all we all wore dashikis. All of us wore kente cloth back when uh, Sounds of Blackness was really popular. We Sounds all Sounds of Blackness had, still popular, but okay. I mean, we oh, listen that, we we listened to the music that they put oh, out Shannon back Black. in the nineties. I, I meant to tell you, I met the when I went to Minneapolis to interview Spike for the Labor Forward podcast. I met the the dude from Sounds of Blackness. Nice. Yeah. And like, he was like, yo, they had just released a song. He's like, you can use it in the podcast. Oh, Did you, like, wow. So you using it? Are you using it? Yeah, we, we sh- I'm pretty sure we are. We episode, the first two episodes are done. We're still uh, on post-production on the last two. I'm pretty sure we'll, we're working in. Oh, you, you should definitely work that in. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure we will. Yeah. So, yeah, I got in-home talks about Black history and being just being Black. Um, I remember the first time I learned about Juneteenth, my grandmother just walked up to me and was like, happy Juneteenth. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> she was like, happy Juneteenth. She was like, happy Juneteenth. But little backstory, my grandmother, she used to, in the summertime, she would go and pick cotton with her family for extra money back down in Georgia. So like her experience with white people is very different so she's very very pro pro black um anytime there's a starbucks coming up in the neighborhood she's like 
Oh, here they go with their calf cafes. She calls them calves because she doesn't under she doesn't realize that this it's pronounced cafe, so she just calls them calves. <laughs> so there they go with the ponytails and the calves. Hey, don't, don't tell don't tell her I went to Starbucks today. <laughs> and so that that was my that was like some of the Black History stuff that I got, and you know just about being black in america i did a lot of it i didn't really understand and comprehend until i was an adult though but you 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 got a really good foundation though a lot more a lot more than most people get yeah Yeah. i wonder i and i've tried to like find find out like why that is like why a lot of people don't have the foundation um and that's something that I'm trying to do with my kids, but I'm realizing that their interest is really based on what they're being taught in schools. And so if they're not really being taught, I remember we went to DC one time and we took, this is right after the, the African-American museum opened on the mall. So we went to the, my son, my oldest son, he was learning about the Holocaust in school. So we were like, okay, we're going to take you to the Holocaust museum. And he was really into it. He was like, oh my God, like this stuff we talked about. They were reading, I forget what they were reading. I forget what book. It wasn't like night or anything like that, but they were reading about the Holocaust. Was it Anne Frank? I forget exactly what book they were reading, but they were learning about like two books. It's really night. Knight and Anne Frank are really like yeah. the the Holocaust Hall of Fame books, um, but they were he was learning about it in school, and so the next day we went to the African American Museum. And he just was not interested. And I remember being so mad, like this is your history. Like, why are you more interested in the Holocaust? Like, yeah, it's good to know it, but you're really up. You're really into the Holocaust. You're more into the Holocaust than you are the African American museum which is your history from your family and i had to realize my wife had to you know really put in perspective like he's not really learning that stuff in school mm. so yeah that was like that that makes yeah. sense though right like i think so i think your family your family represents very clear outliers your grandmother yeah. used to go pick cotton that yeah that act alone automatically makes history and very recent history more real than any any textbook ever could so you take that and then you go to your parents who who are about that life and so of course they're going to teach it to you i think for a lot of us we we don't learn this stuff in school uh and then like the it's only in, it's not that it's recent that we've now got like more books and stuff, but it's definitely like people don't read anymore. And it's only now in mass media where we're starting to get more black stories told and we're starting to, to hear and see more things, but a lot of it's geared towards adults. So, yeah. so it's stuff for us that like, we can't quite show our kids yet. Um, yeah. I think there are like, we're actually very grateful to be raising kids now because there are there's like an abundance of children's books that on every level that starts to tackle this stuff, but it, it really does take a commitment and ownership on us as parents to teach this to our kids. Because as we see in, what is it? Nine different States have already banned quote unquote critical race theory when in fact they're they're just banning the teaching of history. So like 
it's one thing to be like, I don't want you to teach my kids critical, critical race theory. All right, yeah, sure, whatever. But then to be like, oh, but you also can't teach anything that, and this is the argument is you can't teach anything that makes white kids uncomfortable. So teaching them about slavery makes them uncomfortable. Teaching them that Martin Luther King was killed uh, for his role in the civil rights movement makes them uncomfortable. Teaching that the civil war was a battle over slavery and not states' rights uh, makes them uncomfortable. So you, you have straight up history being erased and not told. And, and that's before we even get to the fact that when you do teach history, it's slavery, the civil rights movement, Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King, and that's it. Like, and op- you Oprah, would, Barack Obama. Oh yeah, well kids <laughs> now get Oprah, Barack Obama. Like, you would think that the civil rights movement was introduced by Rosa and then only, and Martin was the only one who ever did anything. They talk nothing about the people who were around him, like Ralph Abernathy, John Lewis, uh i mean shoot when he got shot jesse jackson was the one who was next to him uh oh what who was i just thinking of fannie lou hamer ella baker who trained a significant amount of people in the civil rights movement most people have never even heard her name but she was one of the most pivotal figures behind the scenes yeah yeah all for the comfort of all for the comfort of kids who may or may not feel uncomfortable with learning about history but then also yeah but it it goes back to the the adage is just like you you, uh, i'm about to butcher it but basically you can't move forward in the future if you don't know about your past you don't know about history you're going to want to repeat in the history over and over again so it's just like you're not going to teach them what happened then you're going to have the same thing happening again. You're gonna have January 6, 2021 happen again because you're gonna have ignorant people out there. What's what's wild to me about the whole not teaching history in schools thing is you have states, states like Texas, I think Texas was one of the states that that is trying to ban critical race theory, but their textbooks are the same ones that say black people came here as migrant workers so i can't teach about slavery but you can straight up lie in your textbooks like that's the foolishness of all this so we have like it is on us black and white to teach our kids a proper history and if you need help with that there is a sweet organization named labor forward that can provide you with an abundance of materials trainings courses everything you need we'll leave a link in the description I'm, I know we will. But I want to <laughs> I want to touch on, you know, how you said that it's on us and white parents to teach their kids about history and black history in particular. I remember when the, um, you know, the murder. So time, out, time out, time out, time out. Not black history. American history. American black history. history is not a separate study. OK, I'm sorry. I'm American sorry, my history. brother. I'm sorry. I was, I was, I was asleep. Let's get it right. I was asleep. Now I'm woke. (laughs) Stay woke. For God. (laughs) Shout out to Dr. Umar. Um, I remember when the murder of George Floyd happened and I had a lot of white friends like asking me, Hey, I support you. What is it that, what is it that I can do to, to help with this cause? And I was like, teach your kids. And I feel every single, almost every one of them like had kids or were like 
married and thinking about having kids. But I was like, teach your kids about history at, you know, about the history of black people in this country and the things that they deal with and the things, the systemic things that they they fight and about the the unfair housing practices back during the Jim Crow time and, and during, you know, the civil rights movement. You know, those are things that have held black people back in this country. And a lot of it, they were like, well, I, I had no idea about those things. And I'm like, well, yeah, I can't just come up to you and be like, you know that people, black people weren't allowed to get houses back in the 50s and 60s. Because they're going to look at me like the angry black man. So now that you're asking what can be done, I'm going to tell you everything. But it's on you to tell your family members is to tell the people that you work with and you know your your racist cousins and the your friends that make racist jokes sometimes like it's on you to tell those people what actually happened because i'm not in those rooms very true very true i tell people all the time there are certain conversations that i am not going to be able to have and i think this this ultimately it comes down to what does it mean to be an advocate right like yeah. a true advocate and ally is representing you and speaking for you when you're not in the room. Because that's ultimately what it comes down to on yeah. from like from on the white side. And I and you know, on some level, like I know, same as you, like there were so many white people who came to me and they were like, But where do I start? And so Labor Forward has a resource list of books, <laughs> videos, podcasts and all sorts of other materials that would be a good launching point for you to educate yourself. <laughs> but like, it's, but like, this is why I created this stuff is because I was having these conversations and I'm like, I don't have the time or capacity or energy, emotional energy to be everybody's individual teacher. Here's the materials go forth and do what you do. I'm gonna call you glade glade. glade. Yeah, cause you, cause you'd be plugging. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. listen, but, and, we, uh, we just we just sold out of I think we have two calendars left in stock. So I got a plug. So we move in merch right now. OK. And you still need right, a free way to purchase. Please explain to me how my two co-hosts, my mans and them ain't purchased calendars yet. I, I tried to you. purchase. I, I tried to purchase <laughs> twice and it did not show me a cart now i know since that since then we have talked about it my funds are a little low right now but i promise you i'm gonna get a calendar Yo, it's black history month cash out this man some money what's your cash at <laughs> eugene mckeever eugene mckeever that's that's the you said what oh no go ahead no i'm saying that's that's the beauty of getting on the internet before your father you can take up all the names <laughs> Uh, shout out to Jenny Bowden who cash at me $5 last night in solidarity for Black History Month. So please. Oh, shout hit, out to Jenny. Hit, hit me on cash app too. All of y'all. Dollar sign CJ Court. If you have Venmo, CJ hyphen quarter mom. I, I take money <laughs> in all ways. You can hit me oh. on PayPal. It's whatever. I only take cash app because I'm banned from Venmo. <laughs> <laughs> only person I know banned from Venmo. Wait, how are you banned from Venmo? <laughs> We're talking, we're, we're talking about Black History Month tonight. <laughs> and the, and the oh, only man. history I have with Venmo is that they banned me for telling them that someone was trying to scam me. Mm. It's Cash App Gang over here. 
Cash yeah. I did a study a couple years ago between who uses Venmo and who uses Cash App. And I came to the conclusion that a lot of my Caucasian friends had no idea what Cash App was. And a lot of my black friends knew nothing about Venmo. Yo, that's like essential water. Many black <laughs> people drink essential. I have yet but, to see a white person with a bottle of essential. That's very true. I've never seen white people Whoa. with essential. So, so Joelle hit me one time and she was like, CJ, is essential like, is that like a black person's drink? I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, I always see black people with bottles of essential. Like, is it, is that like a black owned water company? <laughs> That's that's our Evian. Word. Wait, so what do white people drink? Evian or Fiji? Fiji. Fiji. Nah. Fiji tastes like toilet water. Hey, no. Nah, Fiji, Fiji, is, Fiji is gross. I hate this, Fiji. This, Dasani, Dasani is gross. Yeah, Dasani's bad too. Not bad, it's Basuda. Oh, okay. If you, bilingual for us. if you want to say it in Spanish, it's trash. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up, Mr. Hotep. I, oh, I want to know what you. I want to know how your parents indoctrinated you that got you to this place of uh, being Avery El Shabazz. <laughs> Sorry, uh, it wasn't indoctrination. It was that you know my it dad was. was very <laughs> it was. We talked about this, Avery. How oh. your, your lullabies were Bilal and Jill Scott. <laughs> uh nah, he you know he just made sure that we we know our history. He you know put us on to you know um like I learned about um what you wanna call it what happened uh Tulsa the Tulsa riots from my dad. Um I remember, like, he would always, like, every summer, like, yo, read about your history, read about your history. Did I read it? Nope. I didn't read about it. But, like, he made sure that it, at every turn that we learn about our history, that we learn about our past, that we learn, you know, what's going on. So he would take us to, like, that um, African festival. He would take us to different festivals. He would, like, just do a lot. Just make sure that we know. So. Yo, how crazy is it that it took Watchmen and Lovecraft Country for the majority of people in this nation to learn about Tulsa? It's wild. Yeah. I learned about Tulsa in high school. I didn't, I didn't learn, learn about, about it in high school. Adulthood. I learned, I learned, I learned about it in high school. But I also went to a very black high school. Yeah, you again, outlier. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, when I think about for me what, like, what it was like at home. You know, my mom is my mom's from Trinidad, so she's not well versed in black history. But then my dad, he's from Harlem, so y'all know Harlem Renaissance, all that good stuff, and his family is from the South, and so. Everything that I like, I learned from him. He, my, my dad is a child, like he was born in seventies, so you know he was that five percenter, nation of gods and earths, so you know that very pro black movement of the early nineties. And everything I, I like heard it was always like, man, white people are evil. Uh, and then my grandfather, my grandfather was mad old, like 
I think if he was still alive today, he'd be like 120. He's from South Carolina. So he's like, he's lived through some things and Mm. he would pass down these stories to my dad. And then they would have all of these negative interactions with white people. And it was almost indoctrinated in me, like, nah, white people are the enemy, but it was never, but I never got the other side of like, here's your rich black history. But it, it makes me think of this one story where my grandfather was in Alabama saved up all his money, bought a brand new car, took the car to the gas station. And this white guy walks up to him and said, what you doing in my car, nigger? And he goes, excuse me, this is my car. And the guy looks at him again. He says, I said, what you doing in my car, nigger? And my grandfather said he had to walk 10 miles home. Wow. It was my car and my life. And so when you, when you grow up hearing like, these are the stories, like, this is what it's like dealing with white people. Like I would like I would remember very specifically, like if my father was going through something at his job or you know how government is, like there's some bureaucratic thing holding things up. And he'd be like, Man, you see these white people, man, you know, you can't trust them, or these white people this, these white people that. And as a kid, like I didn't understand it because I didn't know any white people. I had no frame of reference except what I was being taught. And so then I get to college and I got these white kids talking about black people just need to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. And it, it was a very like hard thing for me to like, I don't know, just reconcile and deal with. Yeah, I I remember like a lot, like my dad would talk about like, you know, his experiences growing up, like, you know, being chased. So like he he lived being chased? In, yeah. So he lived in um Cypress projects. And I think he was like chased across. I don't know if it was across London or like somewhere, but like he was chased by like white kids, you know, home. And like he, that was like his first, um, one of his first experiences with white people. So like ever since then, it was just like, he had like very negative things to say about white people, you know, like, especially like him working in construction, which is predominantly, well, white at the time he was working, you know, um, like he would come home and talk about like all the negative things white people had to say about black people. So it was just like, you know, and me like growing up in East Flatbush, growing up in Brownsville, like it's just all. You grew up in Brownsville. <sighs> Don't try to throw East Flatbush in there. You are from <laughs> Anyway, oh, you know, just surrounded by blacks and, you know, Caribbean folks. It's like, I, like I said, I didn't have, my peer-to-peer white experience until you know leaving leaving the state going going to Chicago it's just like I mean yeah I met white people my teachers were white at times but other than that like I was in the bubble of blackness so like yeah my dad made these comments but like I didn't have anywhere to put it except for the folks that were on TV so My experience with white people, when I went to preschool, I know most, a lot of kids don't go to preschool, but my parents put me in a preschool and it was in Northwest DC off of George Avenue. Shout out to Tiny Top. But all the kids there were black. They were all like basically from that neighborhood or like right outside of the city, but it was all black kids. I mean, we had one Hispanic girl. I don't know where she was from. Her name was Samantha. She was the only person. She was the only kid there that I knew that was not black. So when I got to kindergarten, there was this kid, Adam. He 
basically walked up to me first day and his mother was the assistant teacher in our class. He basically walked up to me and was like, you're stupid because you're black. I'm kind of paraphrasing wow. what he said. He basically, you're stupid because you're black. And this is my first time being around white kids. And I knew like from, I saw stuff from the media. I remember the Rodney King riots. Like that's my first remembrance of watching the news. Like I remember waking up every morning and seeing LA burning. And so I didn't, at the time, I didn't know why I was seeing LA burning. I just remember seeing that on the news every morning. And later on, my parents explained to me, like it was because of, you know, Rodney King. So I remember him calling me, him saying that I was stupid. I'm just like, I went home and told my mom, I was like, yeah, Adam called me stupid. And I remember mother being so upset about it. And I didn't understand like why she was so mad, but this is, these are like my first experiences with white kids. And so going all through elementary school, middle school, we're all like, it's a small class. So we're all seeing the same kids every single year. And as I got on, like all of my teachers were white. I never had a black teacher in that school a day in my life. All of the teachers were white. And so I had this like, almost an animosity towards white people because I'm like, y'all don't really, y'all are not really here for me. Y'all not really looking out for me, but there was nothing they could really do because majority of the class was black. So like they really couldn't discriminate against us. It was like three or four white kids and everybody else was black in the class. And so that was like my experience with white kids. I've never like had anybody be malicious to me until I got to, I was an adult and I got called a nigger at work by a guest um, but that was like the first time anything like that had happened. So I never had like, never chased or anything like that. But I remember like my grandmother just being like, nah, you can't trust them. Nah, you can't, you can't trust them. I never understand, understood why she would always say that. And so that kind of sh- formed my view of white people growing up. No, I've never been called the N word. Like... Me neither. Oh, just me? I'm, I'm the only one. <laughs> <laughs> but I, so I had a, a similar story. And this is this speaks to why it's important for people to teach their kids about race early. Uh, I was at a company retreat and I was playing with this this couple's son. He was I think he was probably like four at the time. And he was like, let's play ninjas. I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, we'll play ninjas. And he goes, all right. I'm the good ninja, you're the bad ninja. And I'm like, well, I gotta be the bad ninja. And he goes, because you're black. Bad ninjas are black. And see, because I know his parents and I know the kind of people they are, I know that that's not what they're teaching him. But when everything that you get from, like for kids is black is evil, black is bad. The villains are always dark. Like the way we talk about bad is we use dark terms. You know, kids conceptualize race very early like my daughter at the age of two is like why is it that you have dark skin and mommy has white skin like so it's never too early to start having those conversations and educating them uh but yeah he he was just like you're the you're the bad one because you're black Mm. i mean i wanted to fight him but you know i exercise self-control and i i talk to him calmly self-control is what you exercised trying to fight somebody (laughs) else's kid (laughs) (laughs) i kicked his father so 
here's another good story. My when my oldest daughter was two, she was at the park, and this older white kid who was maybe five told her, like, yo, you can't play on the slide. The slide is only for white girls. Now, I really wanted to fight a five-year-old then. Cause, you know, it's one thing when it's me, but when it's my kids, man, like, yeah, that, that little boy was about to die. He's about yeah. to go meet his maker very early. Yeah. And so, I mean, Avery, I know you don't have any kids yet, but with raising, he might, he might, he might have some somewhere in New York or somewhere else. We don't know. Avery of Rolling Stone out here. Um, so with raising your kids and teaching them about race and really just their value as being black kids in the world, I remember my, my oldest son, we like down here, you have to like, you have to go to school within your neighborhood. So our neighborhood school wasn't ranked as high as a school that was closer to my wife's job. So we got a voucher for him to go to that school. Are you crying? Is this, no. is this story that? moving to you <laughs> no, my, <laughs> i haven't even son, gotten to uh, it my son scratched me in the eye earlier Dad, so i think i might have already a, son, i might have a little corneal abrasion so it's just been irritating me all night just so you, like, you, you can get these hands now like so, you think i won't fight a one-year-old he's <laughs> <laughs> ready, it's ready he, to take the throne now <laughs> he eats a lot that that boy's solid i like really gotta, i'm gonna have to really yeah, he, put in work he won't whoop you But (laughs) my son, he was going to a school in a completely different area. He was going to school in Ballantyne. And if you know anything about Charlotte, Ballantyne is one of the nicest areas in Charlotte. So this man is really crying. Um, So (laughs) I'm not crying. (laughs) Bad my eyes. Irritating. (laughs) I might need to go to urgent care. (laughs) So. He was in he was in school and he was like one of two black kids in the school. This is elementary and middle school. Now, elementary school, we didn't have any issues like teachers were fine. Kids were cool. When he got to middle school, kids started to get mean in middle school. So like he was getting bullied a lot because he doesn't mean he didn't want to play sports. He didn't want to, you know, hang with, you know, he felt like he was an outlier. He was like, I don't feel normal. And so, you know, I'm just going to kind of keep to myself a lot. So he got teased and bullied a lot. And so we talked to the school and we realized that they really weren't willing to do anything because they hadn't really dealt with it with an issue like that. So I ended up taking him out of that school when we moved. We moved from that side of town to another side of town, which was. I knew that the area was a lot more diverse than where we were. And I remember when I first told him, hey, you're going to go to a different school. He was like, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to move a different school. I don't want to go anywhere else. But I was doing it because I'm like, you need to be around people that look like you. You need to be around more people that look like you. And that really shaped, I realized that that really shapes like kids views early. Like if they're not around people that look like them, they start to have this view of the world of whoever they're around if they don't look like them you're like well why don't we live in this type of house why aren't we going to this type of grocery store why aren't we driving these types of cars and it's like I can explain it to you but you're really not going to understand so let me show you a different side of life 
that's different from that side of town that you are living in. So, I mean, it's, it's really important to make sure that even if you are not putting your kids in the nicest, if you don't live in like the nicest neighborhoods to make sure you are able to put your kids around people and have influences from people that look like from kids that look like them. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a, there's enough uh, sociological data to show that the best thing for kids for all kids is to be in diverse classrooms. And that's not just diverse Mm -hmm. racially. It's diverse from a socioeconomic perspective. It's diverse from a cultural perspective. Uh, but what often happens is you, you may get a diverse elementary school, but then around junior high, when hormones start to kick in, all of a sudden we get in, we start getting into that segregation. And it again, like it it hurts everybody. Like it's it's not good for white kids to grow up and go to schools in which they only have other white people who are just like them. That yeah. creates a, a insensitivity to how the world really is. Yeah. I tell yeah. people a lot that you like <clears throat> white people really don't have to be around black people until college, because before then they're going to schools in their neighborhoods with the people that, you know, live near them and everybody in the neighborhood looks the same. So you all are all going through elementary school, middle school, high school to the same places. And then when you get to college, you may get a diverse group of friends, but you don't know how to interact with that group of friends because you've never been around them. You haven't been around them as often. We can't say you've never been around them, but not as often on a regular basis to know the nuances of dealing with someone from a different race. I mean, even saying that they don't have to be around like people until colleges, that's a that's a stretch. Because yeah, there are well, pl- plenty of white people yeah. who, are, who go to colleges that have a few black people and never, never interact with them. Yeah, like white white people live a way in this world in which if they don't ever want to interact with black people, they, they can't have to. Yeah. Whereas we can't do that because in order for us to quote unquote get ahead in life and have a leg up in life, we have to be around them and know how to navigate the world with them in it because they're everywhere we love you white listeners <laughs> no, i i mean obviously my wife is white so you know i bet she white white <laughs> as she is and i love her uh but yeah so it, it's funny a couple of years ago i was i did a black history panel at this high school and then and so it was like me and a couple of other guys and somehow the conversation geared towards black love. And I was like, oh, well, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm going to just sit this one out, huh? <laughs> I was like, this, uh, I don't think y'all want to hear what I have to say. But, you know, Why do you feel like you couldn't contribute to that, to that conversation, I mean, though? Obviously, I, I could contribute. But, you know, it's you, you married white. So can you really tell us about black love? As though black love is I, this is a i guess another conversation but you know what do we mean by black love mm. Mm. i think it's a good segue to our next episode though basically yes it we is can't, we, can't, we can't we can't give all the goods in this one episode we need people to come back yes our next episode is going to be special for valentine's day all about love and relationships and avery's going to walk us through his love history it's going to be great 
We all walking through our love history. So get ready, Avery. <laughs> you are bearing your soul on the mic. Fun times, fun times. Oh, yeah. Maybe forget my question now. <laughs> but I did want to say in terms of like diversity, back to the diversity talk, like even just like seeing when even, well, only could speak from a New York perspective, um, like when they wanted to like diversify schools, like parents specifically of, you know, Caucasian descent, like they were upset. They were just like, yo, like. You could just say, you could just say white people. You don't got to I, be I, technical. I didn't know how to like, you know, smooth that in. But anyway. People um, say I'm white people the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Jesus and Meryl. Um, they, yeah, they were just upset. They were just like, no, we don't want diversity. We don't want this in our neighborhoods. And it it does, as y'all two pointed out, like it does hurt, you know, how kids grow up. Like you're not... Like, just thinking about, like, how even though I wasn't in diverse schools, I was being exposed to diverse settings. Like, I was, you know, I almost every other weekend I hung out in the village, you know, which is predominantly of the LGBTQ community. Um, we'll go to Harlem sometimes. Like, we'll go to the San Gennaro Festival, the Italian Festival. Like, so I would, like, be exposed to different cultures, but, like can't be most people at least in new york don't expose their children to all those cultures so it's just like what better place to be exposed to all those different cultures than the classroom so it's just like either you want your kids to grow up like you or you want your kids to grow up better than you i just feel like lack of diversity does do a disservice to the future well, here's the thing. I think most people don't think there's anything wrong with the way they grew up. Most people don't recognize the inherent problem with growing up in a bubble. So you say, oh, do you want your kids to grow up like you are better than you? That means that people would have to recognize that there was something wrong in the way they grew up. This is true. This, this is very true, which I don't think people are willing to, to take that self-reflection like, yo, my child was just trash. Oh, the way I grew up was trash. You know, they're probably like, nah, I'm good. My kid's going to be good. And this is the future I planned out for them. So when you say that, do you, are you talking about a specific type of people? Or like people in general? <laughs> so I feel like you're being real vague. I, 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 I have a tendency to do that. I'm talking about white people. I'm talking okay. about white people. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But I, I actually yeah. think that that could go both ways. Because again, I do too. That diversity is good for all kids. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of us, like we, like as Eugene said, in order to make it in this world, you need to be able, you have to know how to socialize with white people. I was done a great disservice not having any of those interactions until I was 18. Like that hurt me. And I, and I want my kids, well, obviously, well, my kids are, you know, biracial. So I want them to grow up in a world in which, uh, in a diverse world. Like I want them yeah. to grow up in a world that is reflective of what they're going to encounter in life. Yeah. You, your kids got to know Biggie and NSYNC. Now, I was going to say uh, Celine Bruce, Dion. 
You said who? Yeah, I know Bruce. Celine Dion. <laughs> no, Celine Dion is for the, the islands. That's that's Claude's <laughs> that's Claude's queen. <laughs> hey, Selena Legend. See, I told you. <laughs> there will be Celine. no Celine. <laughs> there will be no Celine slander out here. Thank you. They um, love Celine Dion and Islands. No, but to to go back to like the other side, like yeah, like it would be, you know, because I. I'm I'm sorry to say our southern listeners, but to only recognize any Latino person as Mexican, that's terrible. That's that is terrible because it's just like it's more to the Latino culture than just Mexican people. But like because as New Yorkers, like we grew up in a melting pot and all these different cultures. So it's just like all right, boom, we know like Dominicans. Puerto Ricans, Cubans, like, you know, we have that diversity, but like just being in the Midwest or the South or like other places, it's just like you you don't have that that sense of diversity. And it's just it's like looking at it, it sucks. Like it's reflective of even what we watch on TV. Like we have predominantly either predominantly white shows or predominantly black shows, and we get a sprinkle of Asian, sprinkle of Latino here and there. And it's just like, it's not a true representation of, of the world that we live in, the country that we live in. I hear you, but it's Black History Month. Right? <laughs> it is. It is. Black Latin. Latin for everybody else right now. Hispanic History, Hispanic History Month is the middle of September to the middle of October. Right. I know we, that because want, I'm married, I'm married to a Puerto Rican March. Yeah. We want everybody to get their just desserts to get what they deserve, but right now we focusing on us. Right? I mean, technically, on us. Every, I'm these, these are our twenty eight so. days, Avery. These are our twenty eight days. Every time we try to have a conversation about black people in this country, it gets hijacked by somebody else, <laughs> and that yep. is a fact. And you're doing their bidding, Avery. Tell you, don't don't let the white man use you, Avery. You the whole tap. You come on. You supposed to. Yeah. You're supposed to know. You, oh, you let a music soul child down, Avery. Amel <laughs> <laughs> oh, LaRue is scoffing at you right now, Avery. <laughs> D'Angelo is disappointed. D'Angelo is disappointed. You let D'Angelo down. Oh, man. I'm surprised the Roots didn't get in there. <laughs> the Roots, no. You don't listen to the Roots. You listen to the Kendrick family song. <laughs> Listen to the roots. <laughs> All right. I, th- I think we've exhausted this. <laughs> Yo, thank you all for tuning in for yet another week. Uh, as, as we mentioned in the beginning, that cold open, go ahead and subscribe to the Labor Forward podcast. Give us a follow uh, at Kicking It With The Homie, at Trace underscore Ninos underscore Brown at avd underscore and it was brought to my attention that i can't just give my handle without spelling my last name because it's complicated so it's yeah, it at is. cj underscore quarterball that's q u a r t l b a u m fellas what did you do to okay, take Asha. <laughs> fabulous <laughs> Man, what, what did y'all do to take care of yourselves this week Have I taken care of myself this week? I, I, I don't think I took care of myself this week. That's a problem. Uh, 
Because black men are not taking care of themselves. No, no, no. I mean, I clip my toenails. This. <laughs> this what? This black man this. that clipped his toenails? This nigga. <laughs> Well, have we have we gone from week to week in terms of time of recording? I would say that yes, I I gave myself some self care and manscaping. So yeah. Okay. This nigga did not just tell us that he manscaped. He did. He did. Did you get the gooch? You got the gooch and everything. Just just tell our audience. No, no. I meant like facial, facial. Like that's not manscaping. You just shave. That's part of. That's not. That's part of manscaping. It's not. That you shaved. No, it's not. You shaved. That's all you did. You didn't manscaping is a very specific thing. Manscaping is. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. We don't. We don't want to know though. No, I'm. I'm curious. There is no I, need I, to further clarify. I didn't do that, but I did. I did. You shaved. You know, shaved my face, gave myself a you know nice hair wash, you know nice spa time in the shower, you know. So yeah. Again, this is going off the rails. It's you don't want to no, hear about what you did in the shower, Avery. It's yeah, I mean, it's, that's, that's self that care. A weird. This is a PG podcast. Still getting weird. It's getting weird. <laughs> Families, listen to this. We're gonna have to tag an explicit warning on this podcast. On this, thank you, Avery. Thank you, Avery. How? Because of your self care in the shower, beloved. You disappoint me. Anyway, Jill, you Jill, <laughs> Jill, is, Jill is not pleased. Eugene, what what did you do? I clipped my toenails and I'm getting a haircut this weekend. Finally, my man about to come home. Let's go. No, I'm not coming home yet. I'm not coming home yet. You need to come home. I'm not coming home yet. No, it's time to let that go. I'm not, I'm not coming home yet. You, well, you, no, I said, I said I was going to. I didn't say when this year, but I, I'm I'm not coming home yet. What better time than, than now? Not now. Well, what did you do to take care of yourself this week? You better have an answer. I took a writing day. I On Saturday, I just went and I wrote. That was it. Hey, where did you go? Uh, actually, I stayed home. Oh. So- I stayed home because of, of the blizzard. <laughs> so when I say I went, I went to my room. <laughs> and I went <laughs> <laughs> on punishment. <laughs> I got the whole day. To just write, I, nice. I worked on my worked on my book. Got a couple of chapters on the. Gosh, what am I on the third? The third draft, the second second draft right now. So nice. That was good. Nice, nice, nice. All right, that's it. Thank y'all for tuning in for another week. <laughs> that was a terrible transition. <laughs> <laughs> yo, Awful some, transition. Yo, sometimes you say, "Yo, I'm done." That's it. We we out. Thank y'all. We owe my latest.